So this name is actually, Jesus, is actually derived from the Hebrew name Joshua, which means deliverer. Um, and it's, Jesus is given this title, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is God with you to save you from your sins. That's who he is. That's who God has sent into the world. The name Jesus not only is a title, it's not only a name, but it tells a story. It tells a story that has started much, much earlier, hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, all the way back to the time of creation. So in order to understand why Jesus was given this name, Jesus, Deliverer, the Hebrew name Joshua, why was he given that name? In order to understand why he was given the title, God with us, Emmanuel, we have to understand the story. We have to understand how this fits with the story. And to understand the story, we need to go back to the beginning of creation. So what I want to do is I kind of want to, to look at the story in kind of three parts. I'm going to go back and we're just going to touch on the beginning of the story in creation, and then looking at the fall, when humankind fell from sin, or fell from a relationship with God, and then we're going to look at redemption. So I want to, I want to dig into you, so, so let's start with creation. And um, I want to put up a quote from the board uh, from one of my favorite authors, uh, Robert Farrar Capon. Um, I love how he imagines what it was like for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit to create the world together. So go with me for a second because, again, what I want you to see is how the name of Jesus tells a story. And it starts with this. This is what Robert Farrar Capon imagines the beginning of creation. He says, let me tell you why God made the world. One afternoon, before anything was made, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit sat around in the unity of their Godhead discussing one of the Father's fixations. This is a long quote, by the way, so stick with me. <laughs> From all eternity, it seems, he had this thing about being. He would keep thinking up all kinds of unnecessary things, new ways of being, and new kinds of beings to be. And as they talked, God the Son suddenly said, Really, this is an absolutely great stuff. Why don't I go and mix up a batch? And God, the Holy Spirit, said, Terrific, I'll help you. So they all pitched in. And after supper that night, the Son and the Holy Spirit put on this tremendous show of being for the Father. It was full of water and light and frogs. Pine cones kept dropping all over the place, and crazy fish swam around in the wine glasses. There were mushrooms and mastodons, grapes and geese, tornadoes and tigers, and men and women everywhere to taste them, to juggle them, and to join them, and to love them. And God the Father looked at the whole wild party and said, Wonderful! Just what I had in mind. Tove, tove, tove. And, all, and God, all God the Son and God the Holy Spirit could think of to say was the same thing. Tove, 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 which is Hebrew for good. So they shouted together, Tove! And they laughed for ages and ages saying things like how great it was for beings to be, <laughs> how clever of the Father to think of the idea, and how kind of the Son to go to all that trouble, putting it together, and how considerate of the Spirit to spend so much time directing and choreographing. And forever and ever they told old jokes, and the Father and the Son drank their wine to, um, this is, uh, to unitate spiritus sancti, and threw ripe olives and pickled mushrooms at each other, uh, this is, I'm not, I can't say that's in, that's in Latin, so, amen. Okay, not even going to try to say that. My dyslexia will get the best of me. Um, 
why do I put this there? I mean, number one, I just love that quote. It's just a cool imagination of like how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit just delight in creating. That the whole point was that God didn't need to make uh, me. He didn't need to make you. He created you out of love. He created you because he is good. You know, you and I, I mean, we're, we're non-necessities. The truth is that God, you know, he didn't create you. I mean, he didn't even create you because he, didn't, he doesn't need you to tell him how awesome he is. I mean, he is awesome and it's good to praise his name in response to who he is. But he doesn't need you to do that. He's just awesome. He's just praiseworthy because of his character and who he is. No, he simply made you because he's a good and loving God. It is in his nature to give life. That is what I want you to pick up from this. It is in God's nature just to give life. It just, he just outpours life. He, God is a giver. God loves to give good things. He loves to give, especially, what's the best thing that God could give? Himself. God loves to give his own presence to the world. It is simply who he is. He delights in his creation. And he doesn't need anything back from it. He doesn't need us to give back to him because he in and of himself is good enough. And it is critical that we understand that as the foundation of all things, that we understand that God is a giver. He loves to give. He loves to give good gifts. And he made us in his own image when he created us so that we would be people who reflect that out into the world, so that we would be people who represent him in the world and who he is and who his character, that goodness of giving. That's how he made you. That's how you are hardwired, no matter who you are. That is how you are hardwired. You are hardwired to be made in the image of God who is a giver, who loves to give. God is a giver, and he made us to be givers. Okay, that's the one thing I want... In order to understand where we come from, it is critical that you and I know that we were made in the image of God who is a giver and you were made to be a giver, to delight in giving, right? I mean, it's that, you know, when you give that Christmas gift to somebody that you love and you see them open it up and you see the delight on their face, that is like an echo of how you were made. You were made to give a good gift to somebody. That's hardwired in you. And I think that is critical as we move into the next part of the story. But we find ourselves in a situation where we, we don't experience that because of the fall. Because the next part of the story comes where we've moved away from that. And I want to, um, I'm going to have a few different quotes here. So this is a quote, again, we're fixating on this, this name of Jesus that tells a story. Um, and I want us to see how we've fallen away from that. So I'm going to quote, uh, um, uh, early church father called Athanasius. So if, um, and there's one phrase I just want you to pick up from this. So he says this, this is kind of a, a mouthful here, but he says, if they, Adam and Eve, had guarded the grace and retained the loveliness of their original innocence, then the life of paradise should be theirs, without sorrow, without pain or care, and after it, the assurance of immortality in heaven. But if they went astray and became vile, throw, throwing away their birthright of beauty, their birthright of beauty. That's the one phrase I want you to pick up from this, if you get nothing else. 
then they would come under the natural law of death and live no longer in paradise, but dying outside of it continue in death and corruption. So you and I were given a birthright. We were given a birthright in being created in the image of God. We all bear that. But what Athanasius is saying here is that we were given this birthright. We were given this name. We will bear the image of God, and we threw that away. (laughs) We were meant to be givers, and we threw that away. We were meant to be givers who reflect our giving God, and we threw that beauty away, and we became takers. We became takers. That's the one thing I want you to understand is that the nature of sin, the nature of the fall of humankind is that we were meant to be givers, and we became takers. People who take from the world and from others to protect and preserve themselves. I remember a long time ago, I was, uh, when I was uh, right out of college, I taught, went back to teach at my former high school, and one of my, I shared a classroom uh, with another teacher, and we would often get in conversations. He, he was not a believer, and we would often get in conversations about faith and all things, and, and I had just, was just newly married at the time, and and he had been married for a few years, and we were talking about marriage and love and all these things. And in this conversation, I still remember this, we were talking about what it means to love your spouse. And I remember that he was telling me, he said, well, any, he and his wife had come to the understanding that any love, act of love that they shared with one another was really just about self-preservation, was really just to guarantee that whatever act of love I show you is to guarantee that I'm going to get love in return. In other words, even if he told his wife he loved her, it was only to receive those words back from her. Self-preservation. And I was thinking, oh man, how opposite is the gospel to that? See, part of the nature of sin is to be a taker rather than a giver. And what we do is we often take, take, and take from the world, not only for protection, not only for preservation, but also for your own identity and for your own security. We take and take and take to build up our own names, right, for our own glory. And remember that creation was meant to be a place full of giving to one another. When we threw away that birthright, we became takers, and it affected all of creation. Okay? It affected all of creation, and that's what made creation become broken and marred, full of injustice, full of conflict. Because what happens is, instead of trusting that we can be giving in relationships, We are afraid that somebody's going to take from us or we're going to take from somebody else. So moving along here, again, track with me here. We're moving along to the next part, redemption. The way we understand in creation and the fall informs the way we understand the next part of the story, which is redemption. And follow along with me here as we look to this important part of the gospel. The same God who made the world out of his own love and goodness and desire to give life chooses to fully give himself away by entering into our world to be with us and to save us from our sin. Our sin which affected all of creation. Therefore, salvation is going to be about renewing all of creation, giving new life to the whole world. And he enters into our world to be with us by taking on flesh and blood. He comes first and foremost to be present with us, to identify with us. That's why Hebrews 2 says that he had to be made like us in every respect so that he could be our merciful Savior. His goal was presence, right? The same goal at creation. Creation and redemption are so much alike. 
The goal of giving God, God giving himself to the world. His goal was compassion, to breathe the same air as you, to eat the same food as you, to be in a body that would fail him. He identified with us in his body and he brought new life through the world. This is a good quote from uh, Eugene Peterson. Now, this will be the last quote that I give you. But um, Eugene Peterson says, says it like this. You know, when, when Jesus comes into the world, he does it with his own body. And he, he looks at people with compassion. He listens to the people who come, uh, comes to them with their problems. He touches people who are hurting. He speaks words that are full of truth and grace. And this is what uh, Eugene Peterson says. Jesus narrates us in this, to this new creation through leisurely conversation through intimate personal relationships, through compassionate responses, through passionate prayer, and putting it all together a sacrificial death. Jesus ultimately gave himself away for the salvation of the world through his death. He took on the sins of the world in his body and died, and God raised him up in a new body that shows us where we are headed. So the, why do I say this? This creation, fall, redemption. These are the three of the elements of the story of Scripture, because that's the story the name of Jesus tells us. It tells us a story of why God would send His Son into the world. It tells us the kind of God that we have. We have a God who makes us and saves us simply because He is a good and loving giver who delights to be with us and who wants us to reflect Him and be the kind of people who give rather than take. So it's important that we understand the name Emmanuel, God with us, God with you, God with our world. Not because it's a chore that he came to do, but because it is a, essential to the character of who he is. When you know that, when you believe that, when you understand that, God delights to give himself. That will lead us to the next part of Bearing his name. <laughs> Being able to bear, to reflect his name. When I was in college, my grandmother used to send me care packages in the mail. Um, and by care packages, I mean she would bake some cookies and she would send them in the mail. And what would you imagine would happen if you send cookies through the mail? They were completely crumbled. <laughs> and one of my roommates and I, my, one of my roommates, Casey, we actually went from preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, and college all together. Like, we spent all, the, all those years together. Uh, he was one of the only uh, uh, my friends who had done that. So he was my roommate at the time. We would get this package from, he knew my grandmother really well. My grandmother knew him. Um, we would get this package in the mail, and I mean, we would get the, we would put all the crumbs on the table, and we would just spend, you know, 15 minutes just picking all the crumbs and eating them, because they were so delightful. They were absolutely delightful. At the very bottom of the package, my grandmother would always send me this note, and it said Proverbs 22.1, and it says this, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And she wanted to remind me every time she sent this care package uh, what it meant to bear the family name. Enjoy these cookies, David. By the way, bear the family name, you know? (laughs) Bear the fail. So if you look back at verse 20, I want to look at Joseph here for a second. So we've looked at the story of Scripture and how, how God delights as to, to give us salvation. Uh, let's look, look back. The angel reminds Joseph that he bears a family name. He calls Joseph the son of David. So it's not just Jesus here. 
that's bearing a name. That's Joseph. Joseph is bearing a family name. He belongs to the family through which God is going to bring salvation to the world. He is part of this long genealogy that is listed at the beginning of the chapter. And Joseph shows us actually what it's like to bear the family name, but not without drama. (laughs) There's a lot of drama in the story. So if you look back at verses 18 through 19, Joseph is engaged to Mary, but before they were married, he found out that she was pregnant. And he could have brought her before a court to either have her executed or he could have at least upheld his own name and brought shame upon her name with a public bill of divorce. He, could, he chose, he could have said, no, I don't want to execute her, but I want to get divorced. And what that would have done is it would have cleared his name. He still would have been, you know, cleared in the, in the public's view of him and brought scandal of, upon her name. But, but Joseph is described here as a just man in the text who was unwilling to bring shame upon her. And even though he resolved in his mind to divorce, to divorce her quietly, he actually never went through with it. It was when uh, he was turning these things over in his mind of what he should do is when the angel appeared to him and said, do not be afraid, and the angel instructed him to marry her. So if you look at verses 24 and 25, let's look at what happens. He did what the Lord commanded him. And he married her. Joseph's name literally means God will increase. And that is exactly what happens with Joseph. God increases because Joseph chose to bear the family name. Joseph reflects the mercy and the goodness by playing of, of God by playing out his role in the story. He could have preserved and protected his own name. He could have, he could have said, no, you know what? There's, that's too risky. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preserve and protect myself in my own name. But no, he chose to give himself up. He chose to bear that character of God. He chose to reflect the character of God and give himself away for the life of the world. So friends, that's the, the application. is We've been called to bear that family name. To bear the family name. At your baptism, you were given a new name. You were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized, you bear the name of God. And God delights in that. God poured out his wonderful promises to you in his baptism. He would never leave you. He would never forsake you. For those of you whose kids have been baptized, that's true of your kids as well. That he will love you and be good to you and give you new life. And he wants you to bear his name by reflecting who he is. And if, you have, if, if there's one way in which you think about that, it's to be a giver. To be a giver in the world. And what is the best thing you can give? What's the best thing that God could have given? His presence, himself. What's the best thing you can give? And you think about this around Christmas time, right? You think about, I'm about to go do a bunch of shopping, and I think about, you know, I have my daughter's list, and I'm trying to think about all the things that I want to get my family, and maybe you're, you are too, where you think about what's the, what, what's the best gift I can give my family? What's the best gift you can give the world? Yourself. You. You. Your presence. That's the best gift you can give. You say, no, 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 you don't know. No, not me. <laughs> nah. Yeah, you. <laughs> yes, 
You, you, you are the best gift that you can give. You, who you are right now. You and all your strengths. You and all your weaknesses. Isn't that the picture that we get of, you know, so often we think that it takes strength to save the world. But here, Jesus comes to us in a manger, in weakness. So often we think, I'm too weak. I don't want people to see. No. You can give the world who you are and all yourself, even your weaknesses. I want you to think about that for a second. What does it look like for you to give your body? <laughs> to take a time to look at the people around you and have compassion on them, to look at them, to stop, to see them, to give people your eyes, your attention, to give them your ears, to listen to them, to listen to people, not just to give, not just to give them advice or to, to make them into a project, no, but to really listen and ask them questions and draw out what's really going on, to draw out their story, to draw out what they're really feeling, to touch people, <laughs> to touch people. There, I remember this story a long time ago. Another pastor told me there was a woman in her, his church who just had this crazy track record of bringing people to Jesus. And he said, what do you do? And she said, I grabbed them by the face with both of my hands and I look them in the eye and I tell them, God loves you. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and they just come to Jesus. I'm not saying you should do that, but touch is powerful, right? To touch somebody, to say, to show them how much they are cared for. Touch can be powerful, but not just touch, to use your mouth to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Not just to share the gospel, but to build them up and encourage them, to meet somebody where they are, to tell them that they are loved, which is all part of the gospel, to give them life-giving words. God wants us to be the kind of people who are givers because ultimately that's who he is. If we look at the ministry of Jesus when he came into the world, the ministry of Jesus is all about God giving himself up. God is a giver. So friends, if, as the church of God, as the people, as the beloved community of God, that is what he is calling us to be and to do, to bear his name, to be people who are with our world, right? God with us. To reflect that, to represent that, we have to be people who are with our community. And you can do that. You, don't have to, to, you can do that where you are, with your family. Wherever you are, you can do that. Where are you going to be today? Do that. <laughs> Give people yourself. Wherever you are, in your places of work, right? Your neighborhoods. You can do that right now. Be a giver because of who God is. So friends, remembering the meaning of Jesus' name, don't forget that God loved you so much that he came into the world to be with you, God with us, as Emmanuel, and to save you from your sins, Joshua, the deliverer. That is what his name means. He came into this world to be with you, to save you, and he gave his life away because he wants you to bear that name and give your life away for the salvation of the world. So friends, that's the good news of the gospel as we come into this Christmas season. We have a God who is with us, Emmanuel, who loves us and loves this world beyond our imagination.
way more than we could ever imagine. And that is beautiful truth. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this beautiful truth. You are a God who is just beyond our imagination. You just are so, you do not give up on your world. You never have. You've shown that through the mind-blowing truths of the gospel, that you come into our world as a helpless child, a helpless baby in poverty, as a, in the form of a servant. You are a good God who just delights not only to create, but to save. You love your world, and you've shown that in the person of Jesus. And in, I pray that as we celebrate the birth of Christ, that we would be absolutely amazed that you would capture us, that you would capture us so much that we would be filled up, we would receive this good news so that we could go out and bear this good news to the world. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Come now to a time in our service where we can...